We return this morning to the Messiah's Manifesto, Matthew chapter 6. We pick up this morning at verse 19, where we hear our Lord speak to the reality of investment without risk. Investment without risk. We're not talking 401, we're not talking 403, we're not talking IRA, we're not talking IRA, Roth, we're talking about investment without risk. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Father, this morning, upon first reading, we are quite sure that many of us, if not all of us, have a pretty good idea of where this sermon will go. As the concepts are relatively clear upon first reading. And yet we understand that what the Lord Jesus is talking about is completely outside our earthly orientation. We're talking about things that do not rust. We're talking about things that do not fall apart. We're talking about things that do not wear out. And literally, we don't know anything like that in this world. Even our own persons ache, experience pains and sufferings, and many of us are very much aware on this beautiful Lord's Day morning that we don't have the zip and the vigor that we once did have. And so we pray today that you would help us to appropriate and to grab a hold of the words of Christ today for the benefit of our souls. Thank you for each one that is here. May they be hearing. For just simple attendance is not enough. We must give our attention to you, our God, and allow the Spirit of God, who gave the Word of God, here in report of Christ, some consideration to our own souls. Thank you for the occasion. Ask your blessing upon your people as we consider these blessed words of Christ today. And for that, we'll praise you in his blessed name and for his blessed sake. Amen. There are two verses from Proverbs 23 that struck my heart and mind when thinking upon this particular statement of the Lord Jesus in our continuing study of the Messianic Manifesto. Uh, those words from Proverbs 23 come at verse 4, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. And 23.23, which says, By the truth, by, B-U-I, not by, B-Y, by the truth, purchase the truth, invest in the truth, and sell it not. Once you got it, don't get rid of it. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. The negative prohibition is don't make 
material possessions your earthly pursuit and goal. The positive commendation is do make truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding your primary business over the entirety and the days of your life. Our Lord Jesus restated that and more when forecasting the righteousness of his kingdom. I remind you that we are in the midst of studying the single longest record of the precise teaching of Christ the King, as is recorded in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. One sermon, three chapters. After a penetrating communication of the righteousness that holy God demands of all humanity, chapter 5. Our Lord goes on to speak of right-minded and right-hearted worship. Right-minded and right-hearted devotion. Just exactly like we are seeking to engage right here this morning. We have seen together what Jesus had to say about giving. About alms, about charity. We've seen what Jesus had to say about prayer. We've seen what Jesus had to say about self-denial. And now, this morning, we begin our consideration of what Jesus had to say about material possessions and trusting God. This is the particular point of emphasis that will run right straight through the rest of chapter 6. And so we will be focusing our attention on this idea of material possessions uh, beginning today and three Sundays hereafter. The theme developed beginning at verse 19 culminates with the familiar uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, verse 33. That's where this goes if you were to pluck out a single principle that would govern this entire portion of the word of God uh, it would undoubtedly uh, be wise to pick Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The theme develops, however, along four lines of thought And the first line has to do with making investments. The second line of thought has to do with your sight and vision concerning spiritual things. The third issue has to do with your master, the Lord of your life. And the fourth issue has to do with angst and worry. Throughout the development of the theme, you and I will see a radical contrast between the love and values held dear in this world and the love and values held dear in the kingdom of Christ. Jesus turns his attention to a vital connection between our earthly activities and the heavenly reality. Or as our dead buddy says it, your love and values will be shown by the place in which you seek to accumulate your treasure. Your values, your love will be known by where it is that you seek to accumulate your treasures. Christ said it even in a more forthright way. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, it's important that we hear that right, because many a sermon, many a sermon then, leaves the Bible 
and goes after. You got to get your heart right. 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 And certainly, you and I need to get our hearts right. But that is not the preaching emphasis of the Lord Jesus here. Jesus is revealing in this text how you and I can get our hearts right. He's not just saying, get it right, get it right, get it right. And it's a good thing that Jesus doesn't just say, get it right, get it right, because, indeed, we can't. But we can follow in obedience the instruction of our Lord, and as a result of that, cultivate a heart of righteous worship and devotion as we're being led in this chapter to do. And Jesus says that this idea of getting your heart in the right place is all about making investments without risk. Making investments without risk. Yesterday, I had the joy of being with my grandson's family at the beach. And my great-granddaughter had her first experience in a Michigan lake. And I just have to say that I, I was just very happy as a, as a great-grandpa. I was very happy uh, to have my granddaughter actually have her first lake experience, I think, ever in a Michigan lake. <laughs> now, I don't want to go to the proud, proud side of that. I just want to leave that alone. But I'm just saying, it did make me happy. We were there for a couple hours, and we had a great time together, but it was really amazing because right next to us, right next to us on the beach was a mother. If she was married and her husband wasn't there, I don't know if she was a single mother or not, but a mother was there, and her three children, precious children, beautiful children, and uh, those children were uh, active and ultimately interacting with us. But, but I would just simply say this. In the time we were at the beach, they far more interacted with us than they ever act interacted with her. And uh, the reason was not because of the kids' desire. The reason was is that when we got to the beach and set up our chairs and got out our, our, our tubes to lay in the water on, when we got to the beach and got set up, this, this woman's on the phone, and she's talking to somebody very animated. And she talked, 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 and she talked. And the kids are doing their thing, and eventually they're interacting with us. And I look back at the woman, and she's talking, 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 and she's talking. And talking. And for the entire period of hours that we were there, I never saw her off the phone until it was time for them to pack up and leave. And, of course, I had the thought that you would have. I thought to myself, what a waste. What a sense of misplaced values. What a sense of misplaced investments. Because here's a mother who someday will say, I don't know why my kids don't, I don't know why my kids don't come. I don't know why my, you know, she'll get there. And yet her investments of a mother, and I don't see the rest of the days of life, so I don't know what else she's like otherwise, but my guess would be pretty bad. Pretty bad. One thing for sure, not one of those kids, not one of those two redheads, I think, and one that I couldn't tell. But nonetheless, what, none of those kids would have had the thought of as a result of being with their mother at the beach yesterday is that she cared a lick about anything relative to them. She was all into herself. So it's important for us to think about investments of life 
and where we want to place energy, where we want to place our money, where we want to place our time, where we want to invest, as it were, time, energy, and money. We, it's good to think about those kind of things. It's especially, especially important to think about those things in light of the eternal. And I tell you that even in the world, even a worldling that doesn't care a lick about God or a lick about getting together with God's people on a Sunday morning to worship, they would look at a mother like that at the beach and say, she's making bad decisions. You don't have to have a theological degree to look at a mother like that and say she's missing the boat. Even sinful people know she's missing the boat. That's not who we're talking to this morning. I'm talking to you this morning, lest you miss the boat. By making investments, we all do, we all do, we all do, we all are, we all are, but making investments that turn out to be risky and are associated with losses. Sometimes losses so great we cannot forbear them. Jesus would have us hear him about how it is that you and I can invest in a life here without risk. And that becomes the big thought of Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19. Let's begin this morning our consideration by thinking about the command that is here for heavenly investment. Verse 19 again, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The verb lay up and the noun translated treasures have the same Greek root. What does that mean? It means that when I look at that in the Greek language, the language of the original, uh, the word is the same. And so you could translate it, treasure up your treasures. Treasure up your treasures in heaven. Don't treasure up your, heaven, your, your treasures on earth. The root word for both the word layup and the word treasures yields an English word. And the English word is a book in my library and maybe in yours. And it's a book in my library that I look at almost every day. And that book is called a thesaurus. A thesaurus is a treasure trove of words. It's a treasure trove of related words. Now, I'll tell you this. You probably already know it. But every once in a while, you're studying past scripture and you say, man, there's a D word and there's a D word. If I only had another D word, where do you get another D word? Well, you go to the thesaurus and you look up the word, the concept you're looking for, and you look for the D word. And then you get DDD or PPP or NNN or QQQ. Not many sermons with QQs, by the way, uh, but uh, there are some. But the idea is, the fact is, is that, that the source is a treasure trove of words, related words. And uh, preachers, they use those books all the time when they're trying to, uh, 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 trying to uh, present things and package things in a manner that makes it easier for somebody to hear and to appropriate to the context of their life. And here, the word thesaurus is used uh, by the Lord Jesus. He's not talking about a, a book of words, 
but I would argue he's talking about the word, uh, but he's talking about the aspect of laying up your treasures, uh, as it were, in heaven. The command by no means forbids material possessions honestly acquired. It does underscore both the opportunity and the responsibility of wise investment, and we could say investment in the intangibles as are represented to us in or in heaven. Intangible not because they're not real, but intangible because they're not physical. It is clear even upon first reading that verses 19 and 20 say the same thing, first from the negative and then from the positive. In the Greek, the first word in verse 19 is don't or not. The negative statement focuses upon the earthly investment. Don't, says the scripture, lay up earthly investments. Rather, lay up, says the positive, heavenly investments. And that verb to lay up has the idea of to gather up, to heap up, to store up. Don't work to store up earthly investments work to store up heavenly investments. And it's interesting because you have a very similar thing that is said by the Apostle Paul, especially to those that are well-to-do and wealthy in this old world. I just want to show you that quickly this morning. If you take your scripture and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'll just read 17 to 19 uh, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 where Paul addresses the aspect of people uh, that are wealthy. And before you say, well, this has nothing to do with me, because I certainly am not wealthy, uh, don't leave me just yet. Stay here, don't leave, uh, because believe me when I tell you, in light of the world's population, you and I, living in this great country, are wealthy. Absolutely wealthy. It is staggering to me, we talked about this with my grandson's family this past week, that 90% of the world's population eats a staple diet. What does that mean? It means, what's for breakfast? Beans or rice? What's for lunch? Beans or rice? What's for supper? Beans or rice? What about tomorrow? Beans or rice? What about lunch? Beans or rice? How about supper? Beans or rice? Now, how many of you have eaten like that this last week? Not me, especially my grandson's family here. I've had some of the best eating Grand Rapids can offer. (laughs) Took every excuse with family here to, you know, enjoy. But I'm just saying... Don't tune out and say, this isn't for me. No, the Apostle Paul addressed those that were wealthy and had things and had wherewithal within, with which to invest. And he said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store, same word choices, laying up in store for themselves. Personal possessions are part of God's plan. Yep. Personal possessions are part of God's plan. Yep. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come 
that they may lay hold of eternal life. That doesn't mean that you get there to eternal life by nature of what you do, but it means that once you have eternal life, that you make investments according without risk. Exactly, back to Matthew chapter 6, as the Lord Jesus spoke of it. The context of our Lord's command helps us to understand precisely what it means to lay up treasure on earth or in heaven. The person who lays up treasure on earth lives a life in pursuit of personal wealth, power, and fame. The person who lays up treasure in heaven lives a life trusting and serving God. Two choices. Choice number one is most commonly made, and that is you work to get a paycheck. You work to get money so that you have stuff, so that you can eat and pay your bills. And you narrow your focus of all life based upon the collection of things on the earth because you've earned them, you've worked towards them, you've invested in them. That is a life that is working to lay up treasures on the earth in pursuit of personal Wealth, personal ability or power, personal uh, fame. And in contrast, the person that is laying up treasure in heaven is living a life trusting God and serving God. And thereby the layup is in that regard as opposed to the other. The second thing, the common sense thing of heavenly investment is easy to pick up on here. If you possess something of value, uh, obviously security is at issue. Back to my beach day yesterday. You know, I drove, and so because I drove, and I paid, and because I paid, I was conscious all the time that I'm at the beach of where my keys are and my wallet. Now, I don't know about you, but I actually admire, I do, I admire the person who can go to a venue like a beach and can throw the keys in there and throw the wallet in there and go off and just have a blast as if they weren't responsible for getting home and buying lunch. I admire that person. Now, I'm going to make a confession this morning, and I appreciate if you wouldn't tell anybody because this is not the kind of thing you want told. But my confession is this morning that when I go to the beach, like I went to the beach yesterday, and I throw my keys and I throw my wallet into place, I go out and I have fun for a few moments, and I come back to the chair and I check and see if my keys are there. And if my wallet's there, then I put it back down, I go back out and have some fun. And then I come back a little way, I just make sure, I don't know where I think the keys are going to walk to, but I want to make sure they're there. I don't want to be there without my keys. Now, someone would say that's a little obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> But the reality is, is that I'm the kind of person when I'm responsible, well, I'm responsible, and I want to check. And I like the assurance that comes, yep, keys are still there, yep, keys are still there, yep, 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 keys are still there, yep. My car, my keys, yep, yep. And I feel good about it once I, yep, yep, they're there. Now, none of you are like that. You can just go and have a blast and not give it a thought. And I can go and have a blast too and not have a thought if I'm not paying, if I'm not driving. That's why these days I usually say to my sons, you drive. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, the reality is, 
is that a person, when it comes to investing and trusting, is to order his heart towards God. And Jesus is teaching us to trust God and to serve God rather than making our lives all about the accumulation of wealth and power and fame. The common sense of the heavenly investment has to do with security, the security issue. We store our valuables. We check our valuables. We put our valuables under lock and key. We put plastic covers over garments to protect them from our Michigan basements. We put wax on our cars so that they won't rust so quickly. We lock the house, even when coming to church, as a deterrent to thieves. Uh, You and I are interested in issues of security. Most of the churches that I've pastored have been around for a while, four churches I've pastored over the course of my lifetime, and they've all were around for a while. The, the youngest of the churches was the, was the church in Waterloo, and it had a 50-year history, but the other side of the state, Cassidy, that's a well over 100, this church, Abraham Lincoln stuff, and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and Perry been around for a while, but I'm just saying that all of those churches had had multiple security systems, and you look up there, and that's one from when so-and-so was here, and that's the one that was so-and-so here, and now nothing works, but nonetheless, we got these things, because even God's people get very concerned about getting ripped off, about somebody stealing the mics. Of course, that'd be a happy day for me. I'd just soon not use one. I could use the other lung for a change, but nonetheless... Worried about stealing the mics, worried about wrecking the piano, worried about this, worried about that. God's people are worried, just like all people are worried. By the way, the words break in are literally in the original, meaning dig up or dig through, reflecting the cultural practice of hiding your extra cash in a jar by the stone fence in your yard. It's amazing. Whatever you possess here on earth needs protection. But heavenly investments are secure and as secure as the eternal occupant of heaven. We have an actual opportunity during the days of our earthly sojourn to invest in that which is rust-proof and fool-proof. We have the opportunity to lay up in a way in which there is no risk of something eating it, like a moth, or someone stealing it, or it wearing out or rusting away. PSA 91.1. PSA 91.1 is what I told the drunken thief in the church parking lot. It was a number of years ago, and it was my day off. It was Thursday, my day off. And, and the church secretary uh, called on my day off, which is unusual. I don't mind when here Beth or Beth call me on my day off, but I know that if they do, that they usually have a good reason. And certainly that was true of Barb at Perry when I was there. And she called on my day off, and she said, Pastor, I'm not exactly sure what to do, but she said when I came 
to the church today and opened up the office, she said there were all kinds of uh, marks on the door, like somebody had been breaking, uh, trying to break in, and there was actually a, a, a crowbar laying right by the, the glass doors of the church. And she said, I don't know what the deal is, but she said, there's a, there's a, a, a car that's in the parking lot, and uh, there's a guy in, uh, asleep in there. And uh, I'm not sure what I should do. I don't feel too safe. And I said, well, I'm uh, going to be heading that direction, so Sherry and I will come by. And so uh, we went by and stopped at the church parking lot. The car was there, and I pulled into the spot, and, and, uh, and Sherry went in the, into the church with Barb, and I went over to the car, and sure enough, there's a guy, and he's got an open container in the front seat. Some of you don't know what that means. Some of you know exactly what that means. Uh, but nonetheless, he had a container in the front seat, and uh, it was not only open but gone. And, uh, and he was there, and he was sawing logs. So I knocked on the window, and he straddled and stuff, and he looked at me, and I said, what are you doing here? And he looked like he'd been caught. And, of course, he had been. And so I opened up the door. I said, what are you doing here? And he said, uh, 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 I, I, I was looking for something. And I said, what were you looking for? He said, well, I, 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 and I said, I'm the pastor of this church. I want to know what you're looking for. And once I said that, he said, I was going to steal your PA system. I said, you were going to steal our PA system? He said, yes. I said, did you get in? He said, no. I said, well, that's good for you that you didn't steal anything. But I said, do you know why you couldn't get in? He said, no. I said, well, I think I have an idea. He said, do you have a security system? And I said, yes. PSA 911, which in my mind is Psalm 911. <laughs> in his mind, some kind of electronical thing we got at the church to take pictures. I don't care. I told them we had a security system that could not be beat. A PSA 911. And uh, he not only believed me, but he apologized when he got in the police car. I'm just saying, in this old world, no one or no place is exempt from thieves breaking in and stealing. And even if that bird had got in and got our PA system, it wouldn't have been the end of the earth. God is providential in control of all things. And we certainly are not to be unwise and leave all the doors unlocked and windows open to invite someone who is sinful to do their sinful stuff. But that said, we should be wise enough to have listened to our Lord to know that what we're really investing in is not that. Why, to hear some people talk about their building, you say, oh, the building, oh, the building, the building, the building. It's a building. And ours is messed up a lot. And if you want water in your basement, we got some for you. 
I'm not saying we shouldn't be good stewards and take care of what God gave us, but I'm just saying we are supposed to know. We're supposed to know. We're supposed to be the people who know about heavenly investments that are not subject to bulls and bears. Heavenly investments in which we have guaranteed dividends to be paid. Heavenly investments in which there is no losses in that eternal market under the control of God. No downturns, no recessions, no insider trading crimes. Without apology or apprehension, I say to you, invest. Invest. But learn to invest without risk. Which means that you make your investments in trusting God and serving God. That that becomes the focus of your heart and mind. The third thing we have here I call the contingency of heavenly investment. There is a relationship, as we talked about it in the introduction, between a person's heart and a person's treasure. Spurgeon, my dead buddy, said this, the heart must and will go in the direction of that which we count precious, having invested in it. A person's most cherished possessions and his deepest desires are inseparable. Your heart and treasure are either focused upon the heavenly or the earthly. The Apostle Paul said to the Colossians, Seek those things which are above. Set your minds on things above where Christ is. We are to operate according to the value system of the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdoms of this world. And being heavenly-minded, we are earthly good. Heavenly-mindedness does not mean that you fail to provide for your family or fail to plan for the possibility of retirement. Being heavenly-minded means you love and invest in the values of God's kingdom that you live and give with eternity's values in view. That you keep that focus of your heart by giving, by investing rightly in the investments of which there is no potential for laws. We don't have the time this morning to go to all the passages that relate to these kind of things, but I just cite a couple for you by way of mention, and you can write the references down if you want. But I think about the uh, unique thing that Jesus uh, uh, told uh, in Luke chapter 16, 8 and 9, where Jesus looks to be commending an unjust steward. And yet we know that Jesus would not commend dishonesty. But Jesus did commend the unjust steward for his investments. Because the unjust steward, realizing that he couldn't pay his bill, took the money he had, and uh, went out and made a lot of friends with it. And Jesus said that people in the world have a better understanding of investments 
than do many times the children of light. The person that goes to the bar and says, drinks on me for everybody, is investing in the experience of other people so that they will look on that individual with favor. Jesus said, that guy is certainly sinful. That guy is not right with God, but he's smart in the way he's investing. He's at least investing in people and not just stuff. And even a worldly knows you're better off to have people in your corner than a tractor in your corner. People are a good investment, but God is a better investment. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Use, Jesus said in that Luke 16 passage, use your material possessions to make friends in light of eternity so that when you go to meet the Lord, you'll know people there because they have been benefited by your investment. Now, I'd like to end this morning by looking particularly again at those very first words uh, in verse 19 and verse 20 of Matthew 6. Uh, The first words of 19 are, lay not up. And uh, the first words of uh, verse 20 are, but lay up. Lay not up, but lay up. Lay not up, but lay up. And I got thinking about the fact that the easiest shot in all of basketball is the layup. And here's a passage of scripture in which the Lord Jesus, with no reference to basketball, duh, is nonetheless saying layup. A layup is the easiest basket to make in basketball. And yet, in spite of the fact that a layup is the easiest shot in basketball to make, it is often missed. It's missed in elementary school. It's missed in junior high school competition. It's missed in high school competition. It's missed in college competition. It's missed in the pros. And so I got to think to myself, layups are easy. That's a layup. Layups are easy, Lord. Layups are easy. Why don't people lay up? Or why do they fail to lay up? Well, the answer is in basketball, distraction. If you think the defender's breathing you on your neck and he's going to catch you, then you get tense and you go to lay the ball up and you panic and you don't lay up. Or maybe you're just, you're just coasting and you're all by yourself and nobody's with you and you think, I got this. And you think, I'll just put a little spin on it so it looks good to the cheerleaders that are on the side of the... And you go up and you make a little spin on it and it spins right out and off the rim. Something so easy, something so easy, something so easy is missed. And then I got thinking to myself, Lord, are you talking about a a heavy, uh, uh, hard, uh, difficult thing 
for your people when you say, don't lay up on earth, but lay up in heaven? And the answer is no. The Lord is talking about something that's easy for me and something that's easy for you. Uh, we're talking about a spiritual lay up. And Jesus said, if you lay up in heaven, little here, little there, little today, little tomorrow, little, 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 just a layup, 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 just another layup, just another layup, just another layup. If you lay up in relationship to heaven, then your heart of worship will be exactly where your treasure is accumulating. One of the reasons why God's people don't like public worship much, or for that matter, anything that has to do with their spiritual life, is that they haven't made much of investment in that life. We're not talking about some big, horrendous rock that needs to be lifted in your soul. We're talking about a practice, a daily practice of saying, Lord, little layup, little layup, little layup, little layup, and with those little layups, like a penny a day, accumulating over time. Some of you know that story. But just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here and a little bit there. Just a layup, just an easy layup, just an easy layup. And eventually there's a tremendous accumulation of wealth in a place that will keep your heart focused upon God and his things and Christ and gospel and eternity's values in view. We don't have a consistent eternal value in life because we don't make layups. This is learn to make layups. Layup, layup, layup. It's easy to do. It's easy to get the God thought and to, and to think about trusting God and to think about serving God and to think about trusting God and to think about serving God and lay it up and lay it up and lay it up. And pretty soon, that which you have secure without risk in heaven just absolutely captures your heart for God. And then it's not quite the same struggle when you face the 365s in a given year. It's not a big thing that the Lord would have you do and do and do. It's a small thing. One more thought, and that is, if you're going to lay up you have to look up. You have to look up to lay up. Look up to lay up. Look up to lay up. Say that. Look up to lay up. Say it. Look up to lay up. One more time. Look up. All right. That's why the Lord commands us to look up. 
If you're driving towards the rim in basketball and you look over there at the sideline and you just, even if you're right, you might make it, but chances are, <laughs> you have to look where you're going to lay. And generally we do. We're going to lay something down, you look where you're going to lay. You look where you're going to lay. You look where you're going to lay. My grand, great-granddaughter was on the deck the other day. I'm glad that I wasn't in charge. <laughs> but she was on the deck the other day, and, and she did what a lot of kids are, a lot of little kids do, and that is she's looking over there, but she's walking that way. And she walked right smack dab into the, into the middle table that's on the deck. Quack! And, of course, then, you know, she acts just like her dad. And uh, it's, just, it's just like deja vu all over again. But nonetheless, uh, uh, you know, uh, sirens all came out. I mean, it's just, it just, just a terrible, terrible thing. But I'm just saying, all of that, all of that, because uh, the little squirt was looking one way and seeking to walk in another way. If you will simply, when you get up in the morning, look up to God. And if there's anything in your hand, lay it up. And then look up to God at noon and lay it up. And then look up to God at, at supper time and lay it up. If you just look and lay and look and lay and look and lay and look and lay, guess what? Your heart will be fixed on the reality of the eternal because you possess so much right there. And so maybe rather than wake up in the morning saying, I got to get my heart right, I got to get my heart right, I got to get my heart right, I got to get my heart right. Well, you surely do. But the Lord gives us a tremendous indication of how that actually works. You get your heart right by look up and lay up and look up and lay up and look up and lay up and look up and lay up. And the heart will be right. And Christ will be praised because of you. Father, help us to be the kind of people that bring praise and honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be the kind of people that honor you, not only with our lips, but our, our lives by looking up and laying up as unto you our God. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.